0: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli.
0: I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast.
1: Well, hello, folks, and welcome to Roland Garros, actual Roland Garros, because we're recording the show in two parts today. Part one coming to you from the corner of Court Philippe Chatrier. We're at our our usual Lovatza bar, although the Lovatza bar is actually closed. A man is just... Uh, quite rudely refused to serve me three iced lattes so I've had uh, a very French experience trying to, trying to get drinks just now uh, but we we press on valiantly without iced lattes I know, get the violins out for us and uh, we're by and large having a lovely time out here, we're huddled around a little table, uh, we've only got two chairs which David and myself are occupying and Matt is sort of hovering over us quite threateningly.
2: He's the youngest isn't he You know, so he's the one who can handle it Mm. I'm currently back to back
0: with a
1: he's, he's with a French woman, sort of <laughs> bum to bum, <laughs> with, a, with a lady that doesn't know she's participating in a podcast right now. Uh, we'll, we'll keep you we we updated on that situation, folks. Okay. Uh, as I say, two parter for you today. We will wrap up the remaining matches. In the second part later on, uh, Coco Golf is currently on court, Bianca Andreescu yet to start, uh, Taylor Fritz on later as well. But we've had the main meat of the day as we come to you now. And the biggest story we've had today, very recently, in fact, within the last half an hour, the loss of the number eight seed Yannick Sinner at the hands of the world number 79 Daniel Altmaier of Germany in five hours and 25 minutes. It was the first moment of the tournament when the whole press room has been glued to one match on every single screen and one moment, which was Daniel Altmaier attempting to serve out this match. He had to have two bites at the cherry, didn't he? Sinner broke back uh, the first time of asking but then got immediately rebroken, Caroline Garcia style, and eventually, after a marathon game, Daniel Altmaier did get across the line it was an extraordinary match
0: it was incredible Uh, 5 hours 25 minutes 5th longest match in Roland Garros history I believe and some of the shot making and the and the quality was absolutely off the charts really I mean a a great match for a backhand lover like me we had one of the finest two handers Yannick Sinner I think that's That's undisputed. And, you know, I knew about Daniel Altmaier's single-handed backhand probably mostly from when he beat another Italian at Roland Garros. He beat Matteo Berrettini in the the October French Open of 2020 and really has struggled to put results together on the tour since then. I mean, he's had a lot of success at challenger level. He's won four challenges on clay in the last year. uh, And he's... He's got an extremely dangerous game and, and his backhand today was just firing. It was fantastic, that single-handed backhand. But, you know, it's one of those where I think we're going to have to have the why does Yannick Sinner lose all the close matches discussion because that's now four slams in a row where he's lost in a fifth set. And such is the sort of fine margin, cruel nature of tennis. He was a whisker away from having this match wrapped up in... Four sets because he had a he had a match point in the fourth set. He probably should have put away the smash, but he didn't. And Altmaier hit a forehand and it clipped the net cord and went over Sinner's racket, who was at the net just there, ready to put the volley away. And it's such fine moments. But Altmaier, what a talent! And he's he's so physically strong as well. He does a lot of his training in Argentina in the off season. He was he was the stronger, better player in that in that fifth set and um
1: looked like he could have gone on longer
0: totally he was he got a little tight towards the end yeah. there was uh, there, there was, was a def- dominic
1: team-esque forehands <laughs> weren't there? And, and
0: there was some dropping it short and mm-hmm. then but then suddenly he played this incredible moon ball to save a to save a break back point that sinner had and uh, yeah he he was a worthy worthy winner he was awesome today
1: yeah, it, it it is an absolutely beautiful backhand. I know we're all seduced by the single hander. We it was a question, to it was a question on one of our uh, listener question shows that we do for Friends of the Tennis Podcast. I think the one we recorded shortly after the Australian Open. You know, do we overvalue single-handed backhands because of their aesthetics? And I think unilaterally, the answer was yes. We do sort of unashamedly. Uh, overvalue single handed backhands, but this one is both beautiful and monstrous it it really is um, so explosive and where has Daniel Altmaier been? He's 24 he turned pro 9 years ago uh, career high ranking of 53 so he's been higher than where he is now but never inside the world's top 50 um, I think there are some explanations for where he's been I think Timing-wise, the pandemic really hit him. He was come, just coming into his stride, I think, in in 2020. Uh, he's had a litany of shoulder and hip problems. But I think he's clearly also just a late bloomer, as those very physical players often tend to be. I, I hope this is the sign of Daniel Altmaier being a consistent fixture near-ish the top of the game, because... He's electrifying.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of people who went to Quartz's and Longland today who will depart being Daniel Altmaier fans after that because that was so spellbinding, what he was able to do with the tennis ball, able to stand toe-to-toe with an incredibly powerful opponent like Sinner, who's much more celebrated and much more, in theory, experienced at the top level. But, you know, Altmaier took it that's the difference sinner is he has fallen short too many times at this level and, and i do think it's a problem now because you know this is a, this is an early stage of a tournament like this in a half of the draw when daniel medvedev is gone for him not to take advantage of that is is a big blow i think
0: hmm. yeah I, th- I think just just one final point on on almayr is
1: oh. No, I, I've, I've got more of my okay. material, Matt. <laughs> St- stand by for that.
0: <laughs> well, apparently he puts quite a lot of pressure on himself. You know, like he, he keeps kind of expecting it or wanting it to happen and, and that, can, that can kind of affect him, I think, in those tour matches where if he's ranked, say, between, I don't know, 70 and 100 in the world, he's running into tough players quite early on uh, and how many times do we say where's that player been why aren't they higher ranked it, it, it is a reminder I think that there are so many good players yeah. ranked in that region of the rankings and sometimes you need a break to be able to get out of that position in the rankings and propel yourself up and almost just skip a few levels Yeah. because otherwise it yeah, it's just so, so hard to to sort of break out of that category because... Yeah, there are yeah, sort of ranking the bands, talent depth is so aren't big. there? If he
1: could just get himself seeded at slams, you feel right. like that would lead that would provide a, a, a springboard to, to get into the next band. But you're right, it's sort of the wilderness of the depth of the sport, I suppose, that he's in at that ranking. As promised, just last little tidbits <laughs> of Daniel Altmaier... Uh, info, because uh, clearly I've been on his uh, on his bio on the ATP website, and I can tell you that he loves fishing. Uh, he fishes mostly for trout at home in Germany with his dad, but he dreams of being able to fish for tuna in Mexico or the USA.
2: Oh, I love it when they... Which I
1: feel like is a dream that he can very easily make come true.
0: <laughs> yeah, easier than getting himself seated at a slam, I would have <laughs>
2: yeah. thought. I love it when they come up with something that is really an unknown for, for people like me who maybe just come into the court watching him play for the first time and now knowing that little fact about him. I mean, the other day when Constant Lestian was playing, I wish I'd known before the match that he's actually a magician who... A, a literal magician, yeah. not a tennis yeah. magician. who goes to weddings and children's parties and <laughs> does his magic tricks.
1: Those people are annoying, though. People that do magic, like, on the side... Don't you think those people are really annoying? Well, people that you're at a dinner table and someone produces a pack of cards and says, I, Do you want to see a magic I mean, trick?
2: There's a lot of people I would probably say yes to about that. But having seen Lestian play the sport, it. It wouldn't feel right if he wasn't a magician on the side to me.
0: (laughs) Hannah, who does our Twitter, is going to be so pleased because another podcast has gone by and David's found a way to mention (laughs) Konstantin Lestien.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's going further in the Grand Slam than he ever has before.
1: (laughs) Uh, Lots more to talk about that's already happened today. Mostly in the women's draw before we move on to that I'll remind you that the tennis podcast throughout Roland Garros is brought to you in association with On Location, the premium hospitality and experience provider On Location is the official tour operator for the BMP Paribar Open at Indian Wells in March and we can tell you that their packages for that via Steve Fergal's international tennis tours are now on sale Uh, which means that you can have a tennis podcast-esque experience in tennis paradise and uh, I I cannot think of anything better. You too can drive a golf buggy around for two hours and come home and decide you're going to be semi-professional at golf.
2: And hire the world's biggest car and just sort of drive around the place and watch the most incredible tennis matches in really close-up seats and have that incredible mountain backdrop. I mean, and, and it's in March. What a beautiful time of year to be. In India Wales, in the you, desert,
1: you can look forward to it all winter. Yeah. It can be the little carrot at the end of the bleep, bleak winter to get you through. If you would like to go to India Wells in style and experience one of the most spectacular settings to watch professional tennis, staying in a four or five star hotel or accommodation, great tickets to watch the tennis and access to a hospitality suite that may or may not have shuffleboard in it and a place to relax in between matches, just go to toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast and go to the welcome to paradise section which I can only imagine is a great section uh, just incidentally I did promise we'd move on to the women's show which we will momentarily but Sina plays Grigol Dimitrov now who, Altmaier sorry Altmaier <laughs>
2: We're we're so used to the thought of it, and I've been banging on about how he's going to go all the way.
1: Grigor Dimitrov now, which Matt's on board your train, David. He said, "Well, he's playing bloody well, Dimitrov." Well, I I,
0: I went even further than that. I was looking at the draw and said, "There's a route through for Grigor Dimitrov to make the semis here, and Altmaier."
1: It's when, well, there's, it's when there's a route through that it all goes he wrong. drives himself you, into a brick wall. Do
2: you actually think, sitting here right now, having seen Altmaier's backhand and knowing that it's going to go up against Dimitrov's game, do you think that Dimitrov's the favourite for that match? Would you make him favourite? I think Altmaier just played
0: five and a half hours on an incredibly hot day. and He's a fit guy, as, as we've just said, but... I think there could well be some hangover from that. Yeah. The whole thing about backing up a big win, I think, is always a question mark for a, for he, a player hoping to do that. He
1: didn't back up the Bertini win, did he? Mm.
0: So, to be honest, that whole bottom quarter is a, is a huge opportunity for everyone. I think it's very, very hard to pick who will reach the semis out of that section. You know, I think most, of, most people would have said Sinner or Medvedev. And we're on, what, day five? And, and they're both gone.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a focus about Dimitrov, which has been there throughout the last few months, I think. And OK, he hasn't had sort of show-stopping wins that make you really stopping your tracks, but he's not. he's been winning ones that he should win quite quite comfortably, actually. And I, I don't know, I think he could be dangerous. Do some damage. <laughs>
1: You're just always keeping an eye on Grigor, D- Grigor Dimitrov's results. It's 11 aren't you? years, Catherine,
2: that relationship <laughs> you and I have had with Grigor Dimitrov that he knows nothing about here on the Tennis Podcast.
1: <laughs> Moving on to uh, a, a new hype train that of 16 year old Mira Andreva, who's through to the third round here, beating Diane Parry 6 1, 6 2. A potential meeting with Coco Goff next. Golf is currently 6 2 up on Yulia Grabher on Court Suzanne Longland. I would expect her to, to go on and finish that match. Although, we'll let you know if that happens in part two. She's she's proper, Mira Andreeva. She plays tennis far beyond her years. We were all watching this one together and just remarking upon, usually when a, when a precocious kid emerges on the scene and does something spectacular, you're remarking upon how spectacular it is! And actually, I think what is most remarkable about her and what she's doing is that she's just so solid. She looks like she's within herself in yeah, all yeah. in all respects, and just comfortable and like she's been doing this, doing this the for donkey's years. And actually, she's, she's just turned sixteen.
2: Everything about her is matter of fact. Actually, she doesn't seem to get overwhelmed by any of it. Playing the points arriving onto the scene I mean she was playing on what the Simone Mathieu court and she described it pretty much as not that big yeah
1: she said oh that was it. she was asked that was your first match on a big court how was it and she went oh it wasn't that big
2: <laughs> and uh, and one you know, of many
0: killer lines from her press <laughs> court. Yeah, generally she so didn't good.
2: she didn't seem at all impressed by any of us not that she should be impressed but she wasn't phased at all I mean it just seemed like an interesting experiment in her life you no, know,
1: she was attentive to the media, wasn't she? She was very patient and seemed a little bit bemused by it all, but, um, yeah, also wasn't remotely phased by the room full of media. It was a lovely press conference because um, the, the WTA moderator, I think, realised that this was the getting-to-know-you moment for her and let it go on a little bit longer than, than would be normal, and, and and it was lovely. And actually, at one point, she was asked... Could you describe yourself, please? Which, as an adult, I would really struggle with. I mean, my heart is pounding just at the thought of that question. I can believe how well she she dealt with that, um, and she she remains obsessed with Onstruber to the extent that she is utterly convinced that her game is just like Onstruber's. Now, it's a great game. It is nothing like Ons Jabur's game.
2: How how would you describe Mira Andreeva's game? Everybody who listens to this will know how Ons Jabur plays. How would you describe Andreeva's? Well, I guess what I would say about Ons Jabur
0: is that she makes extraordinary things look quite ordinary because she's got all the shots in the book and she can repeat them. Whereas what I would say about Andreeva is that she does the ordinary things of tennis extraordinarily well. Like, it's... To me, it's kind of the total opposite of Anstrapa. Yeah. There's, a, there's a, a clean technique, uh, an ease of stroke production, a uh, minimal of fuss about the way she goes about her tennis. She,
1: she's not reinventing the wheel with her game. This isn't something we haven't seen before. I'm really into her. I think she's a great personality... You know, It's always exciting when a young talent emerges on the scene. I love her completely undaunted attitude to the stage and to whoever her opponent is. But the game I don't think is something to necessarily coo over. She just does everything so well and makes you feel secure mm. watching her.
0: Yeah, I think, I think she hits angles quite well, which maybe is a little comparison to Unsthyber. Uh, i 've got, I've got my You've eye, thrown her her a bone i 've <laughs> got my eye on her backhand of course because that is that is the rock solid shot i think the I think the forehand she likes to dictate with, but it, you know it can maybe drop a little short sometimes the backhand is is great, but the whole thing is just well there 's a real confidence about her when she talks and when and when she plays she only, only drop six games in, in two matches here and, and she's qualified as well she's, she's been beating people easily, like it's not it's not like she's scraping through these matches um, and she said I think the first thing she said in her press conference was well it's not like I didn't expect it mm. <laughs> like for a 16 year old, okay she's playing Diane Parry who you know, is not a huge name, is probably someone she did genuinely think she could beat, but just just that confidence for her to say that I thought was I thought kind of said it all about her really
2: my, my, yeah. my favourite moment was when she was asked about the challenge of being a 16 year old playing grown up tennis in, a, in the, one of the biggest tournaments in the world, what, what are the biggest challenges and she said her coach tells her don't be diva <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and she, was very, she, was, <laughs> she was very aware of the potential of being a diva in, this, in these surroundings, I think. And, uh, and she said, and let's be honest, it's not kind of the gist is, let's be honest, it's not like I've done anything yet. And I'm thinking, you've just qualified for a Grand Slam age 16, and you've just beaten Alison Rich camera trash, and Diane Parry, barely losing games.
0: Well, I suppose when you uh, set your bar at trying to win 25 slams, (laughs) as she said, (laughs) then qualifying and reaching round two probably is nothing. She
1: was asked to specify what her goals were, and she went, well, Djokovic's got 22, might get 23, so I I guess 25. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Sure. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, she's got time. Mm. She does it.
2: She says all of these things with a little twinkle in her oh, right, eye as well. Oh, so good. And I'm not. Tr- I'm trying to read. Well, where is she coming from? But I just, I do think she's amused by the process, and she's, mm. she's playing with us a little bit. It did, it's playful. It,
1: it did make me think of the press conference we went to with Bianca Andreski the other night, and the conversation we ended up having ended up having off the back of that, which is how do you rediscover what Mia Andreeva's got. Right now, which is that the fearlessness of youth and the thoughtlessness of youth—you know, everything just happening and you're experiencing it and being swept along by the wave. Once you've lost that, it's mm. impossible to rediscover. Right.
0: right. So how does Andreva keep that
1: exactly? As well,
0: yeah, there's a sort of dream-like quality to mm. to kind of everything she says uh, and just how she is. Other. Other great lines I thought were, I have to do my school, but let's be honest, I don't do it sometimes. Uh, She was asked for her first Roland Garros memory and came up with something from last year.
2: (laughs) That um, was Catherine who asked that question, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> and,
1: I mean, I knew it was going to be something recent because she's literally just turned sixteen. I was bracing myself to feel incredibly old, but wasn't expecting it to be twenty twenty two. It
2: was about having seen Djokovic singing backstage,
0: which was a lovely little tidbit, wasn't <laughs> and, it? Uh, and said that she didn't expect Andy Murray to be so nice, yeah, because he's maybe not like that on court. He <laughs> was so great. Oh, she's the best.
1: <laughs> yeah, and. I love the idea of her playing Coco Golf. Obviously, since I made an unsolicited prediction about Coco Golf, she's going to break down in the second set. So, let's see. But the idea of Coco Golf playing somebody five years—no, four, three, three years younger than her—yeah,
2: <laughs> it's unusual. three, maybe four. It is unusual. Uh, I, I, I remember that happening to her not that long ago, uh, but it's it's unusual and. Yeah, I mean, I think it shows how these players come along and, I mean, when, she, when Coco Gauff played, first played on Wimbledon, centre court and beat Venus Williams, I don't remember anybody, us included, talking about her forehand as a, a point of conversation. Nobody had spotted that there might be an issue there at all. All it was was just excitement and uh, freshness and now here we are, Talking about another player with that sort of excitement and freshness, and and it's it's, never, it's not going to be like that forever. So, you know, we've all got to kind of enjoy how she comes across now at sixteen. She's got to enjoy the process, age sixteen, because it it does change. Mm.
1: Sorry, momentarily distracted because <laughs> the most gargantuan cheese board has just rocked up to my right, and it I I smelt it before I saw it, yes. <laughs> and it's.
2: Still, you're still into cheeseboards, aren't good, you?
1: Good, God, that looks amazing. Okay, I'm going to actually shift my shift my She's
2: body, turning so her back on so the so it's board. not
1: in my eye line. <laughs> right then, um, <laughs> Elena and marched on in the first match of the day on Court Suzanne Longlen earlier on. Uh, I think look look. It was a nice match-up for her today. I think she really enjoyed Linda Noskova's ball, and they're very similar players, and Rabatkin is just better than, than Noskova, So it doesn't surprise me that the scoreline to this was quite one-sided in Rebecca's favour, but she looks so comfortable to me. I think the hot and lively conditions are suiting her really well. Her movement looks really good to me. She just... Look, we'll, we'll only find out when she's properly tested, but she looks good.
0: Yeah, she probably gave the most, I don't want to say negative, but most sort of slightly critical uh, review of of her own performance. Like, she thought it was a tough match. She thought that maybe her game wasn't that great. And I was like, well, if if that was your game not being in top shape and that, was that being a tough match, then... Look out everyone else because I thought I thought she was really good today. As you say, a, a favourable matchup. Noskova does similar things to Rabatkina, but Rabatkina does them a lot better and has a much bigger serve. And it's such an efficient way of of playing on clay that Rabatkina's got. Like she can she can just end points in a way that so many players just can't. She's not she's not wasting any energy out there when, when she's playing well, you know, and I, I think she's in a really, really good place mm. for Bakkena.
1: And on a collision course with Ons Jabeur, which is.
2: Wow, I'm going to
1: count down for that.
2: Repeat of the Wimbledon final. Yeah. I, I've loved watching Rebecca in the last few months, quite honestly. I don't think I've seen her at all where she's looked as though she's flustered mm. that she's. In any way doubting her ability, she looks comfortable on every surface. She looks comfortable on every big stage, and she clearly expects herself to produce A-level every time. And, and it, it feels so repeatable. She's not even having to. To she doesn't throw her body into the ball in a in a wild way. She doesn't stress body parts in a way that some other players do, who may hit the ball as hard as she does. It's it's quite yeah. formidable to yeah, that's, watch.
0: That's it. it- if she's if she's having bad moments, they're not coming at bad times. You know, she's playing I think the big points really well and that's that's proof of what David's saying, I think. This this is confidence about her.
1: Yeah, she um as I say on a collision course with Once Jabir, Jabir a very easy winner today against Ocean Dodin again, similar to Rabatkinna, just a great matchup for Jabir. Dodin is not a great mover around the court and Jabir just sliced her up and, and toyed with her it was a lovely sort of platform for Jabir exhibition tennis really from from what I saw of it And
2: Nice isn't it to see Jabir playing confidently seemingly mm. fully fit and without the weight of expectation on her shoulder because mm. we're all talking about this big three you know she reached yeah. two Grand Slam Finals last year and we're not talking about her she came into this tournament as one of the favourites and It's last year. It's very interesting.
1: And and we've decided that the world number one trophy is what she has, is her lock screen on her phone. We've decided that's what the non-Grand Slam trophy is. So, yeah, big four, big schmore. Although she's not saying it publicly because we know how that's gone for Barbora. Big three, big (laughs) schmee, rather. You know, that's gone for Barbora. Kri-Chikov will be saying it's a big (laughs) five. I know I've lost every match for the last six months but it's a big five uh, who would you pick in Jabir Rabakina right now
2: I mean, I'd have to go Rabakina just I, th- I think I'd, go, I'd be going for Rabakina against everybody in the draw except Sviante and even that is on a knife edge, really, at the moment.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I'm desperate to see Rabakina, Shvontek. I'd love to see Shvantek Djibout. Unfortunately, not all of these matches can happen because they're all in the same half of the draw because Shvontek played today, she won today. Exactly the same scoreline as, as round one. 6-4, 6, four, six love, a sort of slightly tighter opening set than everybody might have been expecting against Claire Liu. But then... Once she grew comfortable and loose, it was it was one-way traffic. She wrote, I'm feeling 22 on the camera because, of, of course, she's a Swifty and this is her first match, her first victory as a 22-year-old.
2: Just if you needed us to be more likeable.
1: Well, it was a very Taylor Swift- <laughs> Swift-themed press conference and none of the Taylor Swift-related questions came from me or Matt.
2: Wow, that's yeah. big.
0: What self-restraint. <laughs> Indeed.
1: It was she got herself a bit flustered when she was asked what what era she's in at the moment she really didn't she didn't want to get that one wrong which you know is obviously a sign of great respect to the eras tour (laughs) and 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 the body of work that that taylor swift is um gifted to the world Uh, but she was she was like oh come back to me i'm really gonna have to think about this one i don't want to get it wrong and then she said i'm I'm definitely not in my reputation era (laughs) can't see that coming what, what era are and I you to? well Taylor Swift never thought she'd be in a reputation <laughs> era either but mm. there she was life
2: comes at you fast <laughs> do, do you have an era you too or oh. I suddenly
0: well, feel like I'm just folklore
1: folklore era
2: okay I don't really know what we're talking about at the moment <laughs> so I'm sure you
0: do listener I feel like I'm probably always in a
2: folklore mm. era.
1: I've got my hair in a plait today, so it has to be a folklore era.
2: OK, all right. I'll but I mean
1: a- sort of more broadly, not just today. I don't switch eras every day.
2: You can explain what, what you mean to me a bit later. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, uh, Wong Jin Yu for Igor Fiontech next.
0: Yeah, I mean, what do we think about Igor Shvontek? Like, the fact that she's having these matches, 6-4, six, 6-love is so counter to what Iga Svantec usually does in that she usually comes out fast. You know, that's been her thing. Brilliant first sets, kind of putting the match beyond doubt within the first few games of it and just giving you this confidence that she's just playing brilliantly and going to run away with the match. That's, that's certainly been the pattern of so many of her big wins over her career. But I, I feel like by reading too much into six four six love, what I'm purely doing is judging Iga Swiatek against herself. And <laughs> that's a good point. Like she's st- she's still winning in straight sets. I don't know. I just feel like the game's a little bit untidy at the moment. Uh, I don't think her serve is working as well as she would like. Rebecca is playing better than she is at the moment, isn't she? I would, a bit would say more so. A uh,
1: yeah, I would agree with that. But she's she's looking stressed in the early stages. Right,
0: and and maybe there's just. That's fine. There's there's room for improvement. Maybe she's on a more similar well a more normal sort of trajectory for a Grand Sam champion. Like it's not normal to win all your matches no.
2: six 0 six one, six one
0: six two as as we've sort of got used to her doing.
2: She's been doing that and then hitting the brick wall of somebody else, right. hasn't she? Uh, after nailing all I mean but just imagine if we ended up with Sviontek and Rabakina and Alcaraz and Djokovic. In the semis. That'd do, wouldn't it? <laughs>
1: it? It would indeed do. Um, just I, I know we've been focusing on the women's draw, um, but I just wanted to go back to the men's briefly and pick up on uh, an, a really interesting result, a win for Francis Tiafo in four sets coming from a set and I think a breakdown as well to Aslan yeah, yeah. Karatsev, a match that we all kind of wanted to get more eyes on, despite having six eyes between them, between us we we didn't have many eyes to divert to that because there was all sorts happening in the moment but uh, Mary Carillo was out there watching the whole thing and we have a review from Mary, well actually she alerted us early doors that uh, that exciting things were happening out on Simon Mathieu because she said major agricultural event happening versus TFO. and that was reference to the fact that Aslan Karatsev, who is hugely agricultural, I would say, was was bettering Tiafo well, big time. What's
2: our agricultural again? What, what's our official definition? of uh, we? I,
0: I think that's it's your word, isn't it, yes, David? Yes.
2: It's somebody with a hefty chest uh, who could just sort of pick up anything and heave it about. Would
1: be would be comfortable with a hoe? Yes. <laughs> we'll we'll finesse that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> TFO, anyway, came back to win. So we asked Mary f- for an assessment of how that happened because uh, she was watching right from the first ball and she said, First set Karatsev was a master farmer ploughing long, deep rows of winners. Crops were good. Second set, third, TFO's game sprouted and Aslan's lines came up a bit barren. Thank you, Mary, for, for taking taking all things agricultural and turning them into something poetic. I think that's massive for Francis Tiaf. I remember interviewing him um, on the eve of Queens last year for, for Amazon Prime and asking him how it felt to, to have the grass beneath his feet again. He loves to play on grass, doesn't he? And he said, every day of the, way of the clay court season, I wake up and think, is it grass yet? You yeah. know, he, he, in his head he can't do clay I don't think and maybe this has convinced him that he can a little
2: bit I I think he has no limits on himself now at all and actually I think what he was saying there about every day I wake up and think of the grass beneath my feet is a really although it's funny and it was said with humour in mind I think that's a real negative that because I think you know that's that's what was in his in the back of his mind somewhere, is that I can't, I'm i not going to do anything on this. And now the, I don't think any of that's in his head. I think he feels, he can go to toe-to-toe with anybody. To go toe-to-toe with Aslan Karatsev and basically knock him off the court, or at least do it better than the opponent, the same kind of game. They're, they're both trying to do the same thing, absolutely smash the ball. You know, it's... It's immense, really. And and I think he wouldn't have done that two years ago, three years ago. I think it's big. Yeah. He's got a chance of going deep here.
1: Yeah, I mean, that bottom half of the men's draw is a land of milk and honey for, for whoever player is prepared to, or players that are prepared to grab it by the horns because... Yeah, as we said a couple of days ago, Daniil Medvedev has caused absolute mayhem down there by winning Just Rome. as he likes it. Just as he likes it, yeah. So that is your part one. Go Go Goff has not only got the break back, but sealed an extra break, so she's 6-2-4-2. So I feel confident that I haven't laid an egg in part one, that I'm going to have to clean up in part two, which is quite the relief. Uh, we'll be back with you later. Well... As you're listening to it, it'll be mere moments. For us, it'll be later. And we'll wrap up the full day's play.
2: Small details are big surfaces? Tight corners are odd shapes? Flat, rounded, textured, or tall?
1: Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's
2: new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in.
1: Well, via the miracle of time and podcast editing software, we are back. The day's matches have been completed. It is now five past midnight the next day, and we're back at Tennis Podcast Towers. And while Daniel Medvedev lost, crashed out of this tournament two days ago, the spirit of him lives on and has found a new host in the form (laughs) of Taylor Fritz, who has given us the gift of week one of this French Open. Who knows, possibly the whole tournament, but I really feel like I've been given a very special gift by Taylor Fritz tonight, and I I can't stop smiling about it, David. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Me neither. Uh, and if you didn't get a chance to see it, he was up against uh, Arthur who's the who was the sole remaining French player left in the singles for men or women of France. And it was a cracking atmosphere on Court Susan Longland. Packed crowd. Uh, Rindiknesh took the first set. Fritz came back at him. And then in the fourth set, the crowd decided they were going to give everything. They were going to drop everything into this match that they possibly had got left. Rindiknesh was whipping them up into a frenzy even more. And Fritz was just having to stomach this. And quietly, quietly so. I mean, he, he didn't make a peep. All four set. It was, it was a really good performance from him. He did get his serve bro- broken and the, the place went bananas, which was fantastic. And then he, he broke again and, and held to win. But on the moment of victory, the second of victory... He suddenly started to run around the court, shushing the crowd. Extra, I mean, as extravagantly as I think I've ever seen. It was, it was a bit like Medvedev when Medvedev's doing that furious shushing of individuals.
1: Oh, <laughs> he, he shouted to the crowd. He had his index finger to his mouth and he shouted to the crowd, let me hear you then. It was absolutely incredible.
2: And of course, he heard them because they did not like this. They kind of loved it and they hated it in equal measure, and they gave it back to him, and he just did it more and more and more, and he wouldn't stop. And then the realisation came that he's actually going to have to do an on-court interview with Marion Bartoli in front of the same people who are just hating him, and he's hating them. And uh, they didn't stop making all that din, and he could not hear what Marion Bartley was saying to him because they're still kind of socially distancing when they do those interviews. And so he ended up having to call her over to say it in his ear. Um, and he only gave one answer. Ew. And that oh. answer...
1: So it only, only one line was, was required. Yeah,
2: that answer was, you know, when, when I had such an incredible crowd cheering so loudly throughout the match for me, I had to go and win. And then he walked off. Full
0: Medvedev. Yeah. He, he basically said, "I won. I won because of you." Oh, night, guys. Back.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: When you when you go to sleep tonight,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's what they'll be doing right now. They'll be going to sleep thinking of that Taylor
0: Fritz just didn't think Taylor Fritz was that guy. That's what makes it all the all the more brilliant. He's had like a personality change because of that crowd he's he's something has snapped within him and he's just thought enough of this i am taking you on
1: netflix effect
0: could be could be i
1: believe he's he's being filmed again this year I don't. Know. I mean.
0: Yeah. I mean, it felt fairly in the moment, didn't it? I, but I, mean, I, don't I, mean, deep, exactly. I don't think it's sort of something deep. I don't I don't think it's all oh, this is going to look good on Netflix. Exactly. But just to sort just of. Just generally, he's showing off his personality maybe a little more than yeah. he would a couple of years ago. Yeah.
2: Oh. I think it was just oh, really where, I mean, Why
1: has he been hiding yeah. this personality? This is fantastic.
2: <laughs> the only downside is Catherine's going to now watch his next 600 matches <laughs> hoping for a reprisal <laughs> of this moment. It's never going to come. Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
0: that's interesting. Like Medvedev, because when Medvedev did it at the US Open, I don't think we knew that Medvedev was that guy then. Nope. I think we didn't really know Medvedev quite as well as we know Fritz now. Medvedev yeah. was newer on the scene. Yeah, and Medvedev, other than a very brief period where he became corporate Medvedev and had his, you know, had lots of photo shoots taken, we didn't, the, we the, didn't the, like that Medvedev. You're talking
1: about the polar neck, yeah, w- with the tennis
2: balls,
0: yeah. It was a low point,
2: and the it, side parting,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, he has embraced being the villain. Do we think Fritz is gonna? keep that up i'm not sure i mean i think he's going to be the villain this
2: as long as he's left in the tournament
1: france specific mm. yeah it felt very like you know noughties americo french tensions didn't yeah. it Yeah. I, I mean- you know when when america renamed the french fry <laughs> remember that no no they stopped calling it a french fry did or they? like McDonald's, or
2: somebody they just call them fries. Yeah, right. Okay, yes. I, that <laughs> that yes.
1: Does that right. ring a bell?
2: I know that they do it, so there must have been a moment <laughs> that they started <laughs> doing it. So that does make sense. Okay, um, but but I mean that it is going. That be wasn't
1: in... quite as well researched as other history that I've reported. on. I've <laughs> worried I've got that wrong. French but...
2: fries relived, um, but I do feel like. The the matches that he plays subsequently are going to be very interesting to see whether the crowd that attends those remembers this. And Francisco Cerundolo is
0: never going to have had so much support. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's the man.
1: It's. I, I had a little sad moment just now, realizing that was that was it for French crowd support like that at this French Open because all of the French players have crashed out. By the end of the second round.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons it was so mm. uh, severe, the crowd support, and so intoxicating, because I think they knew that this is it. This is our last chance.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't twice, think it was necessarily anyway. because, you know, I'm sure they like Arta Rinderkinesh, but...
2: <laughs> Honestly, they I, make, they make <laughs> you feel like he has no limits. The way they, I do not think that French crowd differentiates between whether it's Caroline Garcia or Yannick Noah in 1983 or Jean Jean or Arthurindiknes. They just go for their own, Mm. and they go full heartedly, no matter what. David,
1: while you were commentating this evening and presumably having an excellent time, uh, you missed Matt's rendition of La Marseillaise. Full verse and chorus. Oh, did I? Where but did that take is... place? Hit right, hit right right on where, this, I'm right right where you find him now. It is on our Instagram.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> i look forward to that, along with the, the crowd. Yeah, because they... I don't probably, know. probably to be honest,
1: the last one this tournament.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, the events of the match have have become so irrelevant in my mind because of what happened afterwards with Fritz Fritz. Shushing them. I can't remember when they sang the Marseillaise, but there was a point where they were singing the Marseillaise. They'll they'll get big into in. the
2: doubles though, this this crowd still, won't they? Because they'll they'll take anything they can get. Is Taylor
1: Fritz playing doubles? <laughs> <laughs> <Is it laughs> too good? late for him to enter.
2: <laughs> Their whole reason to be will be let's attend Taylor Fritz matches oh, and give him I'm so gutted hell. he
1: can't play another Frenchman. Yeah. But
2: for all credit, sorry, I really
1: no. just hope he leans into it from this point on, the way Medvedev did, and it became mm. his thing that tournament. And
2: it won't. That's oh, it. You, you've had your fill. Unless somebody else metronomic
1: gets in winning it. of titles, David, is that what you're predicting?
2: <laughs> if somebody else gets in his kitchen, we now know he's prepared to to go to war. Mm. You know, and just well, throw it I out.
1: implore all of the ATP tour to get in Taylor Fritz's kitchen <laughs> for for the good of all of us. Get in that kitchen. Start scrambling some eggs, people. Uh, Taylor Fritz through to face Francisco Sarundolo. As Matt said, we now know who Francis Diafo's third-round opponent will be. That will be Alexander Zverev. He won his straight sets on Philippe Chatrier tonight. Matt and I went out to court 14 to watch Bianca Andrescu. And we didn't get to watch all that much of Bianca Andreescu because she won quite comfortably there was just a little moment of drama where she went a breakdown in the second set and that moment occurred while matt and i were <laughs> were journeying to court 14 which is quite what's, far away from the what's media like center i haven't been lovely all oh, right it's um i don't think there's any ticketed seating
2: but it's, like it's no. fourth court isn't it like f- yes, yes. Right.
1: yeah and it's sunken amphitheatre style it's one of the new ones that opened w well, when did that part of the site open three years ago four years ago
0: 2019 maybe yeah
1: um beyond uh suzanne longland and it's the, the biggest of the courts sort of in that part of the of the grounds um yeah absolutely lovely Atmosphere, fantastic. Um But yeah, the the one moment of Bianca Andreescu Jeopardy occurred while Matt and I were uh bustling through the mm. crowds around around Longland.
0: But that meant that we arrived for the surge. Oh yes, which you know is is the greatest part of any Bianca Andreescu tennis match, I think. And yeah, I mean we're we feel like we're maybe powering her through this draw. I mean. we... We're arriving for some surges round one, round two. She now plays Lesia Sirenko in round three, which is a little bit tricky, I would say. But I'm just, I've just got eyes on round four where it would be Igor Svantek, probably. Oh and I'm getting carried away and excited about that match, which it, I know is a foolish thing to do, but I can't help it.
2: We've been there before, haven't we? We were there, that happened. We were there, in there in at Australia. the very last Grand Slam. Yes, mm. and, and Christina Bookshire happened. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And she 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 was epic that day, and then she was absolutely miserable against Viantek the next round. <laughs> yeah, I, I you
0: know, I don't know why I'm previewing a match that <laughs> hasn't hasn't been set up yet, but I'm going to. This is on clay, and obviously that is a huge advantage for Viantek. But I think Andrescu's in a match better position than she was in Australia I think she's Mm. I think she's playing better
2: I saw them play against each other in Rome Mm. um, a couple of years ago had a very good first set yeah really close so I would love to see them play each other on clay Mm. brilliant (sighs) dare to dream Mm. Um,
1: Coco Andrescu was pictured Matt and I were desperately looking around the court we couldn't find the 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 players boxes they weren't visible from where we were sitting well certainly we we weren't able to pick them out
0: but well well we we deduced that they simply had to be in the section of the stadium that we couldn't see because we'd look so closely at mm. everyone that we could see and they weren't uh team Andrescu pick,
1: picking Coco Andrescu out of a crowd of thousands is one of my special skills and we were unable to tonight <laughs> on Court 14. Uh, but hannah with the benefit of tv coverage was able to take a snap of coco andrescu well team andrescu and poor little coco was in a cone of shame
2: what's one of those
1: well a, a cone around the cone around the neck you know that dogs wear
2: oh to stop them like scratching well, themselves or something
1: it, it can be that it can be. They usually put in one after they've had a surgery of some kind oh. to, to prevent them from getting at the wound. It can be all sorts of things, David, both serious and not. But you can imagine it was a cause for alarm. Um, and Matt and I were unable to attend the Bianca Andrescu press conference, but I've worked some sources.
2: Okay. all your 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 Coco sources.
0: I got sources. Folks. This is hot off the press because I asked you about. 20 minutes ago, whether you'd heard from your source Mm. and you hadn't.
2: Mm, I have
1: now. She has allergies. These are forwarded WhatsApp messages that come direct from source. She has allergies. She keeps licking her paws. So basically, we want to stop that. Nothing serious, two exclamation marks. Uh, There was a later WhatsApp. Uh, Was it that woman that chatted to me about dogs in Stuttgart? Lol that was
2: asking about Coco. <laughs> was that you? <laughs> it was me. Were you in Stuttgart?
1: No, but I interviewed she got the wrong her tournament. while
2: she was in Stuttgart. We was on Zoom
1: oh, and yes. I was very much asking about the dog. That woman. <laughs>
0: that woman who asks about dogs.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's got me nailed. Okay. Oh,
0: I do. Yeah. Like, I'm you, you really understand each other. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Look, it's been a night of hard-hitting journalism. What can I say? <laughs> Um, we we did Matt did do to just to just to redress the balance. Matt did do some hard hitting journalism in Yannick Sinner's press conference, which hadn't happened at the time that we recorded part one. As soon as we wrapped up recording, we then went to Yannick Sinner's press conference, and Matt asked him very directly, sensitively but very directly about losing all the close matches. And I don't know.
2: Did you give him a number? It
1: wasn't a brilliantly reassuring answer, well, I don't think.
0: Well, the problem is, David, I didn't get the impression that he was asking himself that question. Why am I losing all the close matches?
2: I mean, how serious is it when, if we look at the the close match, how many, how many right. are we talking that he's lost?
0: Right, so his exits from the last four slams, you know, a whole cycle of slams now, have all been in a fifth set. Oh, right. Now, of course, I... You know, in the press conference, I had to sort of group them together with with the benefit of being able to be a bit more nuanced and expand on the podcast. Of course, they're not all the same. You know, one was a fifth set loss to Novak Djokovic on grass. I don't think that was a bad loss for Yannick Sinner. He had match point against Carlos Alcaraz at the US Open. It was one of the best matches we've ever seen. But I think the two this year against Sitsapas in Australia, he only really started playing in the third set there and then he really faded in the fifth and today as we said in in the first part of this podcast Daniel Altmaier was awesome his tennis was fantastic but also you know he's he's ranked where he is for a reason and Yannick Sinner should really be beating Daniel Altmaier so there is a theme there is a Connection, I think, between all those losses, deep in the fifth set, and he's not able to close them out and he just sort of said, well i've won some close matches, and I wanted to say, yeah, but not the not the really important ones uh and he just sort of talked about how it's that's tennis, it'll come, and there you go. I said that <laughs> all those years ago <laughs> and on the one hand that's that's probably you know, quite a healthy way to process things. I don't want Yannick Sinner to be, you know, suffering and and whatever. But at the same time, I really want him to make good on his potential. I want him to overcome this this obstacle that he's going through. And he just didn't give me a lot of faith, really. That 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 he's got that different gear. That's that's the thing with Sinner. I think he's so obsessed with with the process that he's on and i you know sportsmen and women and athletes always talk about that and process not process not outcome process not perfection i i totally get that that's a thing that they have to do but at the same time he said that his goal for the year was to reach turin and I sort of thought, okay, yeah, you weren't Interim in last year. That would that would suggest some progress. But at the same time, I thought you're better than that. Mm. You you're you're better than eight in the world. Well, you should be. Your game, he's gone absolutely toe to toe with Carlos Alcaraz. I almost think he needs to be. Mm. He needs to be at rescue, thinking times. Time might be—it's that, not running out. That's but your par, but, not your goal, right? Whole,
2: whole Garoon's goal, a bit of a goal for the season is to win a grand slam. Absolutely, right. Yeah, that's, that's your.
1: I'll, I'll be. It'll be a terrible season if I don't get that. But have a goal that's
0: more than that, right? I just that's, I want it, I want a bit more oomph. The, I want a bit more. The, yeah. the,
2: the very best players elevate when it's tight. Right, they find something from Look, somewhere. Djokovic
1: in, in tie breaks.
2: Yeah, mm, he is awesome most of the time when it really matters. You know, he faffs around sometimes, and he I even remember Todd Martin saying all those years ago that he, when he worked with him, and I mean, you know, you're talking 16 years ago. He said he used to rest on his laurels, and then he stopped resting on his laurels in the important moments. In all these big grand slam matches, and you see it, he, he, can, he faffs around sometimes not winning matches because he's got time. And then when the time shrinks, the real Djokovic turns up. And, and Sinner, you're right, I mean, he played a flat level, and Altmaier had too many peaks above that, that level.
0: Yeah, and I think when you've got a game like Sinner's, which is brilliant, of course he doesn't have a lot of variety and I think what happened today is he almost he almost played Altmaier into form it felt like because the the, you know Sinner's rally ball is so good it's a nice ball it's It's a nice ball ball to hit and I almost think I almost think maybe Rublev has this issue as well Mm. they're playing great tennis but they also bring out the best of their opponent in a way and I think Altmaier just grew into that match grew into it and Sinner didn't didn't change it up. Didn't didn't have a way to to throw Altmaier off. And by the end, Altmaier was just absolutely in the zone, just playing the most brilliant tennis that he can, and kind of just had had too much for Sinner. Uh, yeah, it's it's a definite thing for Sinner that he keeps losing these big matches in the biggest tournaments,
1: even if he doesn't think it is. We know better, Yannick. <laughs> 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 so that's pretty much a wrap on today. Tomorrow, this is the schedule. Chatrier starts with Mertens against Pegula, And then Rakimavert against Sabalenka. Very much a flavour of let's get the women out of the way tomorrow. Because then it's Djokovic against Davidovich Fakina, And in the night session, you'll see, be surprised to hear that it is a sausage first. Carlos Alcaraz against Dan Shapovalov, which... <laughs> I've got no issue with that being a night session match. It's a brilliant match. And if you'd ha- prioritised equality before this, you could have, you know, scheduled that in the night session without it being a 5-0 and o scheduling inequality. Mm. But here we are.
0: And there seems to be a point being made by a lot of people at the moment about the night sessions that well, the women don't want to play there anyway. And I don't think anybody really
1: wants to play there. Right.
0: And I was I was just going to say that is that is totally not the point that we are making. You know, the the tournament said everything about what the night session is. Last year when we know for a fact that Rafael Nadal at the time a 13-time French Open champion, now a 14-time French Open champion, wanted to play Novak Djokovic in the day. He was definitely requesting day session. He said in his press conference, I do not want to play at night. They put that match at night. That match for them is the match of the day, the high profile match, the the match they consider the best, the most interesting, the most attractive probably to use Amelie Moresmo's own word. So... It's about the message that they're sending with these matches. Yes, the women might be, you know, getting the schedule that they want. But the message the tournament is sending is that every day the men's match is the match of the day. And it's it's so wrong and I'm so, so sick of it.
1: Yeah, room's lunch every day. <laughs> the <laughs> Literally. schedule coming through really does. Uh, Peyton Stearns and Dari Kazakina open up. Longlen, Rublev, Sonigo, Stevens, Putin, Saver. That's my um, ring fence match of the day. I'm looking forward to that. to pass last on there. Hashanov, Kokinakis opens up. Simon Mathieu, Blinkova, Svitolina, Musetti, Nori and Mukova, Begu. That is Simon Mathieu tomorrow it's going to be a good day mm, I mm. think that is a good day that's a really good schedule as we get into our first third round matches we have lovely Phoebe our mascot we have our own mascots Maisie Zenia Darwin
2: alright Maisie Donna Vickish let us down sorry Donna I bet you did look there's
1: th- there's just no accounting for tennis players well
2: done Bernardo Perra <laughs> that's Pera. how I feel about
1: predictions <laughs>
0: Nicholas uh, Jarry though <laughs>
1: that's so into Nicholas (laughs) Jarry. Did he win? I can't stop talking about him. We have have Billie Jean King, who sponsors Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss sponsor Billie Jean. uh, We had a lovely Brazilian fan uh, talk to us earlier on Court 14 um, and actually gave us some guidance on our pronunciation of a recently high-profile Brazilian player whose name I'm not going to say because I... I need to refer back to the voice note that he <laughs> that he gave me. Uh, but he also showed me a picture of his dog and it made me really miss Billie Jean. Aww. But she does not miss me. <laughs> 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 we have our uh, top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. And Matt, we have shout outs.
0: We have Julian Wookie from Toronto. A Toronto.
2: Like Julian Boutet, the French player who once played Roger Federer in Federer's first ever ATP final. Wow. Wow. There you go.
0: And like Julian Beneteau, who once had a go at Federer about getting preferential treatment. Oh, yeah.
1: That was good, wasn't it? Mm. More of that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both for coming up with Julian so that I didn't have to recycle my... Very, Toronto stories very tired Toronto stories <laughs> thank you Julian
0: yeah, cheers Julian we've also got Chelsea Giller from Boston alright Chelsea
1: hello Chelsea
0: we're all thinking of the mid-table Premier League club aren't we <laughs> yes we are yes we are
1: <laughs> I went to see Chelsea play a few weeks ago they were
2: shocking yeah it's not great, not, not great, were they? Absolutely but shocking. Chelsea, so a friend great. of the tennis podcast, is amazing. Mm.
1: Yeah. We're, sorry, where was Chelsea from?
2: From Boston. Oh, yes. I've been to
1: Boston. Oh, yeah. Had a lovely holiday there with my dad when I was about 13, 14.
2: I'd love to go and see the Boston Celtics play basketball one day. Something I'd love to do. You a fan, Chelsea? Just checking.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea.
0: And finally, we've got Susan Ramsey, who is in Falkirk. Right, Susan, in Scotland.
1: Hello, Susan. We had a Susan recently, and I came up with Sue Barker, didn't I? And that's it's just not good enough for Susan's.
2: It's the best that we're going to do, I think. Sue,
1: Sue.
0: Well, mm. Susan has a little story that could. Oh, that yes. helps. That could help us fill some time while we <laughs> yes, try isn't. to think of other Susans. She says, it's my third year of being a shout out friend of the pod. I walked a virtual version of the North Coast last year with me doing actual walking, but an app showing me doing that route. I listened to the pod all the way. This year I'm doing a virtual Land's End to John O'Groats. Listening that's, to the pod. That's 1,083 miles. So I need plenty of long pods to
2: get me there. Well, we've got 1,105 episodes in our so archives. Is she, is she on a
1: treadmill then? What's virtual about it?
2: She's not
0: on ah, the north coast. the location or, is virtual. Yes, but it's the, it's the distance. Right, it's right, like right, when my right. Fitbit app tells me that I've earned the India badge for walking the length of India. Yeah. Over a very great period of time, but I've not ever been to India.
1: (laughs) Right. We're all doing virtual walking every day. Every day. Right. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Susan, ever so much. Yeah. Good luck with your virtual walking. Um, Sounds like you're, you're doing great with it. Uh, thank you Susan thank you to all of our friends our shout out friends our intro friends our predictions friends Uh, you all are making it possible for us to be here at Tennis Podcast Towers covering this tennis and witnessing Taylor Fritz be an absolute (laughs) hero we have love today folks we'll be back again tomorrow and we'll speak to you then